Welcome back to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 90. We'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for October 28th, 2018. The lesson title is Heart. It is the fourth of the series Inside Out, which is taking us through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Life is not about acquisition, it's about release. So our scripture today, Matthew 5, 23, 24. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Now, this is a good sentiment. We like it. Makes sense. Everybody likes a good forgiveness moment. We could all use one from time to time. I also like the sentiment of Jesus basically saying, you know what, guys, wipe your feet before you come in, (laughs) spiritually speaking. And I think people liked hearing it then, just like we like hearing it now. But here's the thing. There is a lot more going on there than that. Because think about it. A lot of times then and a lot of times now, people go to church with the idea, and not just church, whatever you want to call the place they go, right? People go to that spot with the idea of, God, will you please do my homework for me? God, I know I've got learning to do. Can you please learn for me? Can you please grow for me? Can you please handle my stuff for me? Because I don't want to. And I get that. I think a lot of people, myself included, have had that two in the morning prayer of, God, if you let me feel better, I promise I'll never do whatever that was again. No judgment. Really, no judgment. I swear, no judgment. But you know what I mean? Lots of times the prayer has been the prayer of God, will you please fix it for me? Sometimes people go into that holy place with the idea of, God, can you give me an edge over other people? Can you help me beat other people? Can you help me protect against a cruel world and all of that? And Jesus says, before you even go in, go do your work. You know that you've got stuff you've got to do to speak up for peace, for love, for justice. Do that first. Understand with me that that represents a dramatic change. Never before has it been phrased that way. This is a big deal. Go make peace first. Do your work. And that's weird. That's weird. Because there are some people who have built their lives around the idea that there are some parts of life that are really bad no good, evil, and other parts that are good and happy and all of that. And so in a lot of places you go, if that belief has taken root, you'll find some kind of spiritual airlock that you've got to go through before you can go into the holy place. There's a thing you do, there's water, there's a prayer, there's a statement, and you've got to turn around. I don't know, different people have different things. To get all of the yucky of the old bad world away before you can step into the good world. And here's Jesus saying, go out and make it all good first. Understand with me that this is a dramatic change. Understand with me that a huge spectrum of the religious experience before that had been designed to protect you against that in-between space where you're not this and you're not this. And it's something that we have talked about before because it comes up a lot. Think about the rites of passage that you go through when you go into some religious places. And think about the religious ceremonies themselves. Sometimes they're designed to protect you. 
against in-betweenness. You know what I mean? The idea of the, the bride. She's not married yet, so we gotta, we got to have a guy. There's also sexist stuff. Don't even get me started. we got to have a guy to protect her from that time before she's not married. And now you're married. Let me hand you to another guy real quick. There's rites of passage before. You're, you're not a kid anymore. Now you're an adult. we got to guard you in that moment. Sometimes we have a midnight ceremony because we got to be there right when the clocks change. Like the universe is going, and now. You know what I mean. Even in the non-religious world, there's that New Year's ceremony. There's that moment of a graduation. There's that moment of even something as simple and non-spiritual seeming as a birthday party. Depending on the crowd you're with, it can feel very much like a protection from the unknown moment. You're not this age anymore, and you're not this age yet. We better protect you with fire, that all-time religious element. And the older I get, the more fire there is. I need more protection, I guess. But you know what I mean. Now, I know what you're probably thinking right now. You're thinking, well, I don't think that. I just want to go to a birthday party. There's cake or something. Fair enough. But that's really the point. The point is, as with all things, you and I and everybody, you have a choice. You can decide That the world is a cruel and divided place where there's this good and that bad and this good and that bad and and all of it. And we better be protected from the bad and even from the in-between. You can decide that that's why I do the things I do. And if you decide that, you will never be happy. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. Because here's the formula for unhappiness. Are you ready? I don't think you need to write it down because I'm not recommending you try it at home. But here's the formula for unhappiness. If you have duality, separation, good people, bad people, any of that, if you have duality in your mind or if you have duality in your heart, you are going to have duality in your life. You can't be at one with peace, love, happiness, prosperity if you are of many in the way that you look at the world. If you have duality in your mind or heart, you're going to have it in your life. But maybe there's another choice. It is absolutely the case that some people go into the temple, they pray, they do their thing with the idea of, God, can you please protect me from the bad? God, can you please put this armor on me because the world is no good? God, can you help me beat the bad guys? God, can you just give me enough endurance to put up with a terrible, miserable life? Think about it. That's a popular prayer. They don't phrase it quite that way, but you know what I mean. But if that is your prayer, that's what you're going to get every time. Every time. And so here's Jesus who shows up and says, stop praying for God to protect you against a cruel world. Go make the world less cruel. Understand the beauty of It all comes down to that question. What is the point of my relationship with God? What am I doing? When I pray, what's the goal? Like I said, am I trying to insulate against a bad thing? Or am I trying to make something better? Now, I recognize that's a very big question. When I ask you, what's your deal with your God stuff? Forgive the spiritual jargon. If I ask you, what's your relationship with God? A common answer is, well, I don't even know. I'm not 100% sure I understand this God thing. You tell me that God is infinity, so I don't know. Fair enough. So let's compress that down. What is the point 
of your relationship with you. I mean, after all, the place you make contact with God is in that still small place in your heart. So what's your relationship with you? What is the point of it? Who are you? Okay, maybe we can get into that a little bit more. Who are you? It's very easy to decide to be an overachiever. I mean, you're the kind of person who didn't sleep in on Sunday, so you might fit the bill. An overachiever says, I am all of these things that I do or all of these things that I bought or all of these activities and I wear all of these different hats. Look at how heavy I am. I have neck problems from all these hats I wear. I'm like the dude on Pirates of the Caribbean. Like that's some kind of a virtue. And people say, well, yeah, but my love language is giving. My love language is buying things for people. My love language is chores. My love language is jumping to conclusions and suspicion. I don't know. I haven't read the book in a while. It's all valid. And you know what? It's a great book. It's a great way to look at things. I like that. But the thing is, I'm not interested in your language. I'm interested in the speaker. I didn't ask you what you said. I asked you who you are. I'm not interested in the ways in which you love. I want to know about the love that you are. So let's take a step back. Let's take a step deeper. Let's take a step in. Because if I am the things that I do, I end up living a very divided, a individual life. Because I got to be different ways for different activities. I got to be this guy at work where I'm doing these things. And then I got to be this guy in the commute so I can cope with traffic on the Howard Franklin Bridge. And I got to be this guy when I'm with my family. I got to be this guy when I finally get a moment to myself. And I got to be this and this and this and this. And that was like four or five things. Most people have dozens of different versions of themselves that they are depending on where they are. And that's no way to live. Because in each and every moment, if I am this thing I do, when I stop doing it, I'm not me for a moment. And there's that dangerous in-between place. It's like a, just a normal 24-hour period is a constant series of dying and being reincarnated into some other version of myself over and over again. And it's incredibly traumatic. It's not anything mystical. It's just existential. It's just stressful to be a different person all of the time. When there's just one you that's really happening through all of it. And so my question to you and the universe's question to you is, what's that one you that hasn't changed all throughout all of it? Remember, if you were here last week, we talked about the idea that life seems very complicated. And so people develop complicated sets of rules and complicated religious ideas. And they wear themselves out. But over time, we get smarter and wiser we realize that there's just some very simple ideas that govern all of it. And we start to bring it in and we realize that we're just supposed to love. Remember we talked about that last week? Same thing here. Except instead of talking about out there, we're talking about in here. I know that life is very complicated and so it's tempting to come up with complicated ways to be. But there's really only just you. And that's the point. In this little couple of words... Jesus is saying, what's the you that doesn't change? Go be that. What's the part of you that's above all of the personal beefs between people or for the vegetarians, the personal tofus between people? And what's the you of you? Because here's the thing. You and I and everybody has stories about how everything got taken away, has stories about how we didn't know who we were, has stories about that dark night of the soul where nothing makes sense. And yet here you are. There is a part of you that is not divided and cut up. 
There is a part of you that has been there through every heartache and is strong enough to keep going. And I know that because here you are now. What's that? That's the truth about you. What is the atomic version of you? And that's a great word. You might think about Los Alamos or something like that. But you know what the word means, atomic? Atomos, not cut from the Greek. The thing that can't be cut. The atomic part of you is that fundamental building block of who you are that is not divided up, that doesn't have room for any kind of a division. That's the part that Jesus is saying you need to live from if you're going to have a relationship with God that makes sense. What's the not cut part of you that has been calling you all along? Find that. And it might take some work. It might take some looking within. But I got to tell you something. When you look within, instead of being individual, you become individual. Instead of being dependent, you become independent. You become who you've been the whole time, Dorothy. It starts right there. What's the not cut part of you? It only starts there. It begins to unfold when you realize that that's true about everybody else too. There is a not cut part of life. And we're here to share it with each other. Did you know that that's the point? That's what Jesus is saying. Go share. Go live. Go love. Go stand up for peace. And then go talk to God about it. Sharing. Unity. What a concept. I know it's weird, right? It's weird. Because we're taught that we're supposed to beat our enemies. We're taught we're supposed to be better than other people. We're taught to point fingers out there because it's so much more fun than to fix what's going on in here. You know what I mean? There are those people who know that formula very well. If you have duality in your mind or heart, you're going to have it in your life. And they live that way all the time. There are those people, bless their hearts, who want to have validation about having anger. And so they look for things that let them feel satisfied in their anger. They watch shows where the point of the show is for people to make fun of each other and be mean to each other. I mean, it's funny for a little while, but it gets old. I love your reaction to that. I'm not a sports guy. I know, shocking when you look at my physique, but I'm not a sports guy. <laughs> but I appreciate sports. I appreciate the idea of physical achievement, of making yourself better, of working hard for a goal, and against all odds, the thing happens. I'm, I'm a fan of teamwork. I'm a fan of everybody getting together and rooting for something. I'm a fan of local spirit. I'm a fan of anything. I like listening to John Madden talk, any of it. I like all of it. Not a sports guy, but I get it. But I also get that not everybody does sports because of that. There are some people that watch sports, not all of them, not even most of them, just some, not picking on sports, let's be clear. But there are some people that watch it because they like watching somebody lose. You know what I mean? I feel like a loser in my life, and so I want to see that because I feel better. There's a catharsis that happens there when I watch somebody else lose. But you see, that's a small version of God, and our problems are way too big for that small of an idea we got to grow. I love that moment at the end of any sporting event when they do the interview with, you know, the quarterback of the baseball team or whatever. <laughs> and he says something like, and you, you know what he's going to say right before I'm going to Disneyland. He says something about, I just want to thank God for having our team win. Now, sidebar. 
I'm in the thanking God business. I like it when people thank God. I want you to thank God for a good parking space, a good hair day. I want you to thank God for every single moment of it. Yes, absolutely. If there's only one presence and one power, that's where it comes from. And when you know it, life gets better, the world gets better. Yes. However, I want to thank God for making my team win. First of all, it's a little like thanking gravity. God's always happening. But also, what are the implications for the other team? Is that person really saying, I want to thank God for not liking those guys as much as me? God's not wild about anywhere other than Boston. Now, I've been to Boston. I refuse to believe that's the deal. Like I said, we need to have a bigger idea. It used to be that people thought that getting right with God, with being a church person, with being a prayer person, a Bible person, or whatever kind of person, getting right with God gave you some kind of competitive edge over your enemies. There are people who used to think that as recently as right now. You know what I mean? But if I pray with the idea of duality, I'm going to get more duality. I can't say it enough. In the non-spiritual world, there are people who really think that having a grudge makes you tough somehow. I'll forgive, but I won't forget. That you didn't really forgive? Sorry. The idea of, I'm not letting that person off the hook for that thing. And somehow that statement is somehow that that makes me tough. You are expressing a moment of, they did this thing, that's between them and God, and it was hurtful and toxic, okay, fine, but they're gone now. They're off doing some other dumb thing. It has nothing to do with you. Exactly right. They're doing something else. It's not about you. What they did is between them and God. How you respond to it is between you and God. If you decide, you know what, I'm going to orbit this grudge forever, even though they're off doing something else, who's strong and who's weak? A grudge is an expression of profound weakness. Let it go. I promise you'll feel better. Let it go. I've got somebody in my life who, you know, you have those people where your orbits just kind of coincide for a little while. It's like Haley's Comet. They come by every few years, and you just sort of you intermesh for a while, and then they rock it off to do something else destructive somewhere else in the universe. And this is a person who, you know, all kidding aside, I profoundly love. But it seems like when they're in my world, it's because there's some kind of drama, some kind of a problem. And so over the years, I've had a spectrum of reactions between taking it on myself and really doing good at the codependent thing, between trying to fix them and giving them books to read, praying about it, thinking about it, fighting with them, calling the authorities, all of it. And strangely enough, I'm not that person's savior. What do you know? Strangely enough, I haven't fixed that person. Now, I'm a little bit smarter now. In every revolution, it, I get a little bit better at going, you know what, that's between you and God. I'm just here to love, and I'm going to love you in the best way I know how. Sometimes that's tough love. Sometimes that's insisting on a certain amount of accountability, whatever it is. I've gotten a little bit better about it. But anyway, the last little bit, this person's orbit and mind came into mesh again. And man, oh man, what a whopper of a set of issues this person has brought into my world. And so it's easy to go back to the old ways and go, oh, you know what? Here's the things you can do. And I can go back in my life and make a case for all of the ways that you have screwed up. And you know what? If you'd listen to me in the first place, well, they're not asking for that. 
And in zero ways would that be helpful anyway. But it's really easy to get into that place of, if you just listen to me. A couple weeks ago, I had coffee with a friend of mine, and we were doing our thing and having coffee, and then I left, and I was walking back to my Jeep. You can tell Jeep owners, because they don't call it a car. It's my Jeep. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. But I was walking back to the Jeep, and I got done thinking about what a nice moment to have coffee, and I started thinking about this person. And my statement to the universe is, what am I going to do about this? Because I don't want to think about it anymore, and I'm mad, and I'm, I have some hurt that I'm getting done with, and mostly I just want to help them, but I can't fix them, and I don't know what to do about it. And I'm thinking about all the things they should do if they were smart. And I wasn't paying attention to my heart. I was way up in my head about it. But that feeling feels really gross. And I started to feel gross, you know? And I finally, I walked and walked and walked, and I got to the Jeep, and I got in it, and I was thinking, okay, God, what? What am I supposed to do how to fix this person? I didn't say it exactly that way, but thinking back, that's really what I said, you know? That's how I felt. And I put the key in, and I turned it, and there was that sickening click in the silence of a car that will not respond to your best wishes. Now, I take care of the Jeep. I take care of it. That battery is six months old. Never had a problem with it. But like I said, I've gotten a little bit smarter. And I said, okay, God, I get it. I'm giving my power away, huh? I'm going to stop doing that now. Started right up. That's how God talks to us. It's not always burning shrubbery. It's not always a booming voice in the distance. Usually it's just a moment where you go, okay, what? And you listen. You can give your power away all you want, or you can just love in the best way you know how and keep moving. That's all. Because what you put into this is what you get out of it. Now you know that. Jesus didn't tell us to go and make peace before we came into the temple because he wanted us to be all Sunday morning pretty. He was giving us a very powerful spiritual concept, and here it is. Whatever you take into the temple is magnified in your life. Whatever you take into that holy place, not just a physical building, but to that holy place in your heart where you know who you are and you know who God is. Whatever you take into the temple, you're going to get more of. If you pray a prayer of adversity, you're going to get more adversity. If you pray about vanquishing your enemies, you're going to get more enemies. If you pray about dealing with dysfunction, you're going to get more dysfunction. But if you pray a prayer of peace and love, guess what? At the end of the day, whatever you're praying about, prosperity, happiness, health, whatever it is, what you're really praying about is oneness. I want to be one with the source of life. I want a healing. I want to be one with the source of prosperity. I'd like to pay my bills. I want to be one with something. That's what we're always praying about is oneness, unity. Well, you can't get there with a prayer of duality. doesn't work that way. Forgiveness is the beginning of the path of love. That's how this works. That's the beginning of your journey. When I talk about journey stuff, I think about that story. You thought I was going to say Steve Perry, but I'm not. When I think about journey stuff, don't stop believing. When I think about journey stuff, I think about that story that you know, that prodigal son story, and it's a great story. I'm not going to tell you the story again. 
It's really easy to identify with the sun because everybody knows what it's like to lose our way and go out and learn things the hard way and come back. You know that story. But part of the secret of really understanding the Bible is recognizing that there's a part of every event and character and situation that applies to something going on in your heart. So yeah, it's easy to identify with the sun, but for just a minute, let's remember that there's somebody else in the story. Just for a minute, I want you to think about the prodigal son's brother, because that's you too. You know that moment when the brother goes away and comes back and there's a big party, they get out the pinata, the whole thing. And the brother who's been home the whole time says, you saw what they did? That dumb thing they did? How dare you give them everything and welcome them and make it safe for you? I've felt that way before, haven't you? That person that went and did that dumb thing, how dare they be okay? We're going to have to live in a world where everybody's okay if we're going to get over this, guys. And the father in the story who represents your father and mine too says, you were home the whole time there, sport. Can it be okay with you that the whole time you've been taken care of? Now, maybe you forgot, but that ring that I just put on his finger has been on yours the whole time. And if you know about how that works, putting that ring on means you've got the power of the family. You can make deals and speak for the family. It's like an American Express black card. It also means care. It means somebody's got your back. Maybe you don't know it. Maybe you haven't consciously put the ring on. Maybe it's time. But finally, it means you've got to go take care of other people. And it's time for that. If you like it, as the Bible says, put a ring on it. <laughs> go take care of somebody today. Go remember that peace begins with you. Decide. Because when Jesus said what you do before you go into the temple is great, but there's a problem because he never built a building. I mean, kind of he's built buildings all over. Kind of he's building a building for us right now. We just can't see it yet, but that ain't it. Jesus did his best talking out in the woods. It's not a building. It's wherever you are when you decide that you're home with God. You're allowed to decide that wherever you are. Go make peace today. Choose to be at home today because you've had the power all along. Make that choice because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is 
there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, There's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.